Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look at the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 459. On this week's episode, I'm wrapping up our Alaska cruise review with, of course, a talk about what happened when I got COVID on my cruise. Here we go. So if you watched our YouTube channel or read blog posts on realcaribbeanblog.com, I've talked about the fact that I did get COVID-19 while on my cruise. And I wanted to talk about it a little more in depth, not in the sense of just recapping what I've done in the article before, certainly uh, actually in our show notes on realcoreanblog.com for this episode, I've got a link back to the article that I wrote about what happened when I tested positive for real, for COVID on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. And you can read through that. In fact, I might even say that you should pause this episode and read that article because I basically go through the timeline of what happened and, and what I experienced. And, you know... It was something that you know, I wrote about this in the article, and I do believe this. You know, every cruise I've taken since cruising restarted in 2021, you know, we've gone on board, and I say we and my family have gone on board knowing that one of us or all of us could end up with COVID 19 at some point or another. Certainly, it's a risk that's out there. And I am certainly of the opinion, still am, that you just can't live your life in the fear of what ifs, right? Uh, there's many things that could go wrong in life that you just can't, you can't control, but you also can't live your life in fear out of. And certainly I feel confident that, you know, with the fact that I'm vaccinated, that I'm not going to die from COVID more than likely, and that, you know, I'm going to be, it's going to be a problem that can be handled, certainly. Now, in the grand scheme of things, I would have preferred if I had gotten COVID-19 on a cruise ship while I was on a cruise that was going out of Florida, it would have been a lot easier being that close to home. But certainly there's a lot of people listening to this podcast who don't have that luxury of being able to cruise, you know, in close proximity to where they live. And so certainly my experience going on a cruise out of Vancouver, I think actually might be more beneficial from a, a, a wider angle, wider scale of, of folks who, you know, fly to their cruises and, and what to expect there. And, you know, going through the process, you know, there were a couple things that really stood out to me. And I wanted to talk about today about my experience with COVID. Uh, if you don't know, and I'll give a really, really quick recap again, check out the article. For more information, we were on Serenade of the Seas, in which I talked about last week in, in the previous episode, and it was seven night cruise. And night day six, about halfway through the cruise, halfway through the day rather, uh, I w I had a sore throat, but I didn't really think much of it. I was tired. We had been going a lot. It was rainy in Skagway. It was even colder that morning because we were in a um, we were doing the glacier viewing. So, you know, a sore. It wasn't even it was a scratchy throat that I felt totally fine otherwise. I, I didn't even think twice about it. I mean, I, I've had sore throats, you know, it, since since COVID nineteen. I, it, you know, it was what it was, but I didn't have any other symptoms. Nothing else really rang a bell, and so I just chalked it up to being, you know, we did a lot. And then from lunch through evening, it got bad quickly. Um, by the time we got to the evening hours, I was just out of it. My family went to dinner. I stayed back in the room. I was just not feeling it. And my hope at this point was I had the flu because, of course, if you remember, uh, my daughter had the flu and my wife had the flu and my other kid had the flu before we left. So I was hoping this was just finally it manifested itself and, OK, um, it's catching up with me and I was going to take it easy, relax and hopefully, you know, sleep it all off. Well, it didn't really happen. I, I slept terribly that night. And if you've ever been sick with anything, you know, you have those like fever dreams and it, it was bad. So when I woke up in the morning, I just knew I had to take a COVID test. Now, this is one of the things I really thought it did well, which is I brought my own COVID test. And the reason why I brought my own COVID test to test myself was to ensure that if there, if I didn't have COVID, I wouldn't have to go through the rigmarole 
of all the COVID protocols on board the ship. It's actually a really good idea. And again, this is not about getting around the COVID protocols. This is about ensuring that you're doing the right thing at the right time. What I mean by that is if you call medical with you know COVID-like symptoms, whether you have COVID or not, you're going to go through a certain process. And there is a, even if you test negative and it's just the, a cold or the flu, you're going to still have a certain amount of time in which you're going to be subject to some sort of a quarantine while they evaluate you and make sure you're okay. And certainly I wanted to make sure that I was, you know, doing what I should be doing. So I took my own COVID test I brought with me. It was one of the EMED tests, the Abbott's Binax Nows. That's, you're supposed to do actually, you know, proto, uh, with over the video. I didn't do that. I just did it on my own and it came back positive. So, and given how I felt, I was not surprised at all. So I gave medical a call and, and that kind of went through the whole thing. You know, I had, I think I was lucky in the sense that I had known basically what the process would be. I'd read and heard about a number of other people's experiences with Royal Caribbean and testing positive on board. And I certainly was aware of uh, basically what to expect. The questions I really had was, was I going to be quarantined? Was the whole family going to be quarantined? There were four of us. We were in a suite. We're going to now go down to a, a smaller room. Um, good questions, because as of that morning, nobody else felt sick at all. So, uh, and, and then of course the whole, you know, what happens next? I, you know, I, I had a basic idea, but you know, again, um, I, I wasn't hundred percent sure and who knows what can happen on any particular ship. And the good news is I really feel like Royal Caribbean really did a great job of handling things. Now, again, it might've helped that I had the framework. I had like the rubric of what to expect. I didn't have every little detail in between, but certainly I knew that there would be answers provided to me, not like off the bat, like. Within the five minutes, I know everything's going to happen. But, you know, I think uh, they had, they took my, they tested me and I had my, you know, results about an hour later. And by about lunchtime, I think I took the test around 7 or 8 a.m. Uh, by lunchtime, I had a really good idea of what to expect. So about three, four hours, you know, I they kind of laid it all out for me. And by the end of the day, by about 5 o'clock p.m., I knew exactly what the next 24, 48 hours are going to look like exactly. And a credit to two teams on board the ship, which was the medical team and the guest services team. And I was impressed by a lot of what happened. Now, I, I'm going to stop right here and acknowledge the fact that some people did not have the same experience that I did. And certainly I wrote, I uh, did a, not only an article about this on, on our, on realcoreanblog.com. I also did a YouTube video about it. And there were some folks, I, th I think the majority of people that responded to it, that had, that had COVID on their ships, on their sailings, respond, the majority of them said they had the same experience or similar experience that I had. But there were a percentage, I don't know if it's 10%, if it's 25%, that had a more negative experience in the sense that they didn't feel as well supported as I did. Now, I think part of that could just simply be some people are better at their jobs than others. And when I say some people, I mean crew members. I think it could also be the amount of COVID cases on board the ship. On my particular sailing, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know this answer until the last morning of the cruise, but there were only 11 of us that had COVID. And a couple of them were people that had been actually been quarantining from the previous sailing. So they weren't overwhelmed by any means. And I, I'm not here to tell you that I had the worst possible scenario and I, and I surpassed it. I'm just telling you I had my particular example on that. But I felt really good about the teams that did there. The medical team was, I thought, exemplary. They came in quickly. They responded quickly. They were helpful. When I had questions, um, they they were there for the answers. I talked about this in my article. There were a couple times where I just had some general questions like, can I take this medicine with this medicine? Uh, should I do this next? How many hours should I wait? Like, you know, basic, you know, pharmaceutical kind of questions, right, about how to treat my symptoms because that was my priority at the time. And there were a number of times in which I just called the medical you know, desks downstairs, it was, you know, 
and and I was able to uh, get not a hold of, of the nurse, but the doctor, like easily, like no weights, which was amazing because, you know, if I try to do this at home, if I'm at home right now and I pause this recording and I try to call my doctor, good luck getting the doctor on the line. I'm, I'll, I'll talk to the nurse and the nurse will pass along the message and maybe in a couple hours, maybe tomorrow, I'll get a message back from my primary care physician. But that's, that, I mean, that's normal for on land, but on the cruise ship, they were certainly above and beyond. Now, the fact that I was able to stay in my cabin was a tremendous relief. Um, and, and there are two reasons I believe that I was able to do so, not to say that you would or would not be able to do so yourself. Number one, we had a two-bedroom suite. So the suite is set up in such a way that you have a common room, the living room, then you have two different bedrooms and two different bathrooms. And so I had already quarantined myself in the master bedroom. My wife, I, I told her the night before, I was like, I'm not feeling so good. Maybe just in case you should sleep on the couch. Uh, I know, husband of the year here. And uh, and so I was able to sequester myself in that room. And when the medical team came by, they said, okay, well, we can see you're already doing this. As long as you can stay in your room and never leave this room, you're fine. You don't, you don't, we don't have to move you or your family out of here, in which I was totally for that because, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think anybody, including myself, would want to go downstairs to the quarantine room just because it's a smaller inside room. Uh, you know, it's a ocean view, I believe. And so I just would have preferred to stay in my own cabin. I've already got all my stuff around there, blah, blah, blah. That helped. And number two, and this may or may not have been a mitigating factor or not, it was the last day of the cruise. Again, had this all happened on day two or three of the cruise, I don't know that this would have been the same experience and I might you know, have been otherwise. I can tell you for a fact that if I had stayed on board for the next sailing, which they did allow me to do that, I was literally shocked that I was able to give them this option. If I had chosen to stay on board for the next sailing, they said that in that situation, then I would have to go down to the quarantine room and uh, my family could stay in the suite provided that they continue to test negative. So it was, to, to put it in perspective, and it kind of almost answered my own question, it would seem that if that had happened earlier in the cruise, they might have gone about that. And I, quite frankly, wouldn't have blamed them. I mean, it's just, it, it's, you know, it's the family experience, even though they were negative, it was still kind of um, impactful nonetheless on them. But, um, you know, the medical team was amazing. Guest services, uh, we had a great guy. His name was Steven, and he was super helpful, spelled things out, was gracious. Um, he just, again, both, what I loved about it was not only that both the medical team and guest services team was helpful, but they both cross-checked each other. Oftentimes, I get a call from one, and they would say, hey, you know, if I medical call them, hey, did guest services tell you about X, Y, or Z? And then when medical, and then when guest services call them, they say, hey, did medical ask tell you about, you know, you know, um, one, two, and three? And it was good that we were on the same page. There was like one or two times when I said, no, they haven't actually yet. But they, it always ended up in sync, and that I thought was very reassuring that we were all on the same page. At no point in the process did I feel like I was lost, like I didn't know what was going to happen, that the ball was dropped, I fell through the cracks, anything like that. I felt really good about what was happening. You know, unfortunately for me, the symptoms I was experiencing were just dreadful. Um, you know, my wife always, to her credit, brings uh, a fair amount of, you know, over-the-counter medication, Tylenol, ibuprofen, and whatnot. Uh, but with the, I had the worst sore throat of my life. I mean, it was just brutal sore throat right where I swallow and it lasted ended up lasting for like four days so it it's really tough when you have a really sore throat and then of course you've got a you you cough a lot and when you cough it aggravates the sore throat you know it was it, it was not I was not comfortable and so you know it, it, it was just 
luckily it was only one day. I mean, I would have preferred, you know, to have certainly been home to deal with it, but you know, it, it was not a fun experience to do so. And I think what, um, what really struck me and, and what really bothered me the most is afterwards when I talked about all this on real Korean blog, there were a lot of, com- not a lot, I shouldn't say that there were a fair amount of comments, you know, I don't know, let's say out of all the comments I received, I want to say, let's call it 10 as the number of different comments. Thought people, I thought I should have just, after I tested myself and I saw I was positive that I should have just not called medical, that I should not have done anything in the sense of letting Royal Caribbean know I was positive. I should have kept it to myself. And some people even suggesting I should have just gone about my day, like, you know, popped a couple ibuprofen, walked around the ship and pretended that nothing was happening, which I absolutely cannot explain in words how upsetting that was to hear from people who think that if you have a highly communicable disease and you know it, that you should not be acting uh, in the best interest of other people just as much as of yourself and that you have a responsibility, you know, when um, when my kids got the flu um, right before our cruise, they got the flu uh, because one of my kids, uh, I know exactly who was, I mean, I know my kids, but, but one of the kids in my kid's class on the last day of school was coughing up a lung, definitely was sick. We all knew it. The parents send the kid to school anyway, last day of school. And sure enough, a couple days later, my kids got the flu. And I thought that was incredibly irresponsible of the parent to do so, especially it's the last day of school. Come on, like, you know, you're the absent policy. I'm not sure it's going to impact you. But uh, uh, by the same token, if you know you have a if you know you're sick and you've got something that is highly communicable like COVID, you can't just, oh, I should suck it up. Now, if you're saying, well, I could have stayed in my room and done everything I did without Royal Caribbean knowing, I mean, number one. I got medical support from Royal Caribbean that I wouldn't have had. They provided some extra medication, nothing like prescription or anything. Just they had things like DayQuil, which my wife didn't have, and a couple other medications, which did make me feel better. So on the plus side, that was one benefit of that. Number two, once I knew I was sick, you know, we knew that we were going on the next cruise. So number two, because we were doing a back-to-back, I had to tell them I was positive. Otherwise, I would have been out the money for the cruise. Don't forget, um, Royal Caribbean offers a very generous cancellation policy if you or anybody in your party test positive up to 14 days before your cruise, you can cancel cash money back. No problems at all. Now I understand that most people are not doing back to backs, but that's another incentive for doing so. That's a, that's a selfish incentive for doing so, but it's also worth mentioning. But again, it's about doing the right thing. And I was, it really bothered me that people thought that I understand this whole, we have to live with COVID. I'm, I'm all on board with that. I don't think we should have lockdowns and shut the cruise industry down, things like that. I'm, I'm with you on that. But if you're sick, you shouldn't go to work. You shouldn't go to school and you shouldn't be walking around the centrum and, and pretending like you're okay. And, and you know, I, I don't want to go too much on a tangent on this, but that really bothered me. So the fact that I told Royal Caribbean and self-reported and then they tested me again to make sure and tested my whole family to make sure they were negative. Listen, not only is it the responsible thing to do, it was also a little bit of peace of mind that number one, my test wasn't a false positive. Number two, that my kids and, and wife were negative or not, right? That was important to know as well. So, you know, you shouldn't fear telling Royal that you're negative or you're positive or you might, you're not feeling well. That's again, why I tell people bring a test with you just to, you know, if you want to forego that process and just double check it. But, um, you know, the, the care that I got from Royal was great and I thought they did a great job with it. And, um, and, and then on top of all that, I was really blown away by the by the policy that they provided in terms of reimbursement. So, you know, when we were we were given three options 
let's let's talk about this first, and we'll talk about reimbursement. Uh, we were given three options for what to do after the cruise ended. Well, option number one was I could quarantine because we we're cruising out of Canada. If I elected to go to a hotel in, Can- in Vancouver, I would have to quarantine for a total of ten days. That's the Canadian government policy. I had already quarantined one day on board Serenade, so I would have to quarantine for nine days before being able to fly home. Um, that was option number one. Option number two, which I said earlier, I was blown away that I could actually stay on board the ship. The uh, the, the person in guest service I talked to, Stephen, mentioned the hotel director approved it. So it's on a per- case-by-case basis. They can't approve for everybody off the bat. But they were able to do that for me. And I was shocked because I was like, I mean, I didn't say this, but I was thinking to myself, like, why would they want to keep COVID people on the ship? Wouldn't you want to get rid of them? But there are some people who, you know, I guess the thought is if you're going to quarantine somewhere, you're going to quarantine on the ship. And the and there was a promise, by the way, that if, uh, you know, I had tested negative at any point during the next sailing, I would be able to get off the ship and go, you know, resume normal normal activities on board, right, and do other things, um, which was actually really tempting at one point. And the reason we didn't go for this option primarily was because I was more worried that someone else would test positive, like my kids or my wife. And then we'd be back to square one and we'd spend the entire cruise in our room, which I really didn't want to do. Luckily, we did not do this option because I ended up testing positive for, you know, the the rest of the next sailing. I don't think I tested negative again until uh, about a week later, about 10 days afterwards for my initial positive result. I finally tested negative again. So, you know, in granted, my family could have enjoyed their cruise, but it just wouldn't have been the same thing. And number three was I could have, um, be, I was able to take myself off the ship and drive home. Is you, you, I'm not driving home, driving back uh, to a hotel or something across the border in the United States. Now, I was lucky this option was available to me because I don't think this would have been available had you not had your own car. I had a rental car that I begrudgingly got. As many of you know, I don't want to make this too long of a story. I don't like flying, so I didn't want to fly. We couldn't, fl- and we can't fly direct to Vancouver from where I live in Orlando. So we flew to, to Seattle, rented a car, and I begrudgingly rented the car for two weeks, and I uh, paid to have the car parked. So I was paying for a rental car I wasn't using, and I paid for parking that, you know, it, it, was, it was a waste of money. But in this scenario, it actually worked to my benefit because now I was able to, uh, just because I had a car available, I didn't have to go to rental car office and, you know, possibly expose a bunch of people. I go straight to my car, and they were totally fine with that. So all I had to do was get somewhere to go. So we got a you know place to stay in Washington. I let them know the I had to provide the address for what it is for the the Canadian government needed to know this. So the address where I was going and how I was getting there, which was my own rental car, and that was it. And we went with that option. Uh, you know, number one, we were already on um, you know we were on break, uh, summer break, so we'd have to worry about getting back home for work. My wife stays home with the kids. I obviously run realcribbingblog.com, so we could do this from anywhere. So I was very lucky in this regard, and. Um, and we were, we were, you know, we were, went with that option there. And, um, you know, the, I was glad we did that option again. The, the, the thing with, um, the, the idea that I was going to stay on board the ship, I, you know, again, I'm in retrospect, boy, am I glad I didn't, cause I never would have been able to get off that ship. And, and quarantining is truly like a very boring thing. And on Serenade, which has no on-demand movies, terrible internet. And a very limited amount of television channels, you get very bored very quickly. I was so great. I was so thankful that I had downloaded a bunch of episodes of The Mandalorian on Disney Plus to watch. I downloaded a bunch to watch on the flight to Seattle and then a bunch to watch on the flight home. 
I ended up binge watching all of them in the cabin instead because I was bored out of my gourd. I mean, I felt terrible, but I needed something to watch. And, um, you know, on that particular ship, boy, was it the perfect storm of just nothing to do and, and, and boredom. If I had been on a ship that had, you know, Voom and a bunch of movies, it might have been a little more enjoyable. But, you know, it was what it was. Uh, the other things I wanted to talk about, you know, in terms of the onboard experience, you know, I had often heard about people who are complaining about the food um, and the, you know, room service, because once you're in the room, you're relegated to room service for the rest of the cruise. The, you know, I had only had to do with the rooms, deal with room service essentially for a day and some change. Um, I remember my, my wife and uh, kids went to dinner on day six. I did not. And I think they brought me back food from the Windjammer or something. And so well, suffice to say, I was dealing with room service for like, you know, a little over a day, right? And I think that night I ordered some soup or something. Anyway, um, the menu gets old very quickly. The room service menu, that is. I mean, there's there's only so many items. And some items are definitely better than others. Um, they're, uh, you know, it, it, it's a limited menu. And I don't care where what restaurant it is, you're going to get sick of that food pretty quickly. And I certainly did. The good news was I never got, you know, cold food. I never got food that was um, too, too bad. I think actually the, the chicken noodle soup was pretty terrible, actually. But but everything else was fine. I mean, it was edible. And honestly, the fact that it was hot just felt good on my throat. So I really didn't even care. But, you know, the food was fine. I had read some horror stories. People, you know, cold food and terrible food. And everything was fine there. So I didn't have any real issues. And then the day of the uh, the morning of the last cruise, so we had to wait in our room. So uh, I've actually not experienced this yet, but, you know, one of the protocols that's changed in the last couple months is now when the cruise is over, it's back the old way. So you're kicked out of your room by, let's say, 8 o'clock, and then you got to go to a waiting area until your until your luggage tag is called, right? And um, because we were COVID positive, we were told to wait in our room until everyone else is off the ship, which honestly is <laughs> that was a, that was a silver lining to the experience because I didn't have to go wait in a little area. I could sit in my room. I stayed in my bed the whole time. And then sure enough, at nine o'clock in the morning, they came by to take our luggage. So we didn't put our luggage out the night before. Uh, we put our luggage out. They came, uh, a crew member came, took the luggage. And then I believe it was 945, they picked us up. Now, I thought this is the only discrepancy, I think, in communication that we that occurred. I thought when they came at 945 to get us, they were going to take us right off the ship. They were going to escort us from the room downstairs. When the crew member came to pick us up, there was another guest with us. I said, okay, well, this person's got COVID, obviously. And they took us downstairs to the conference room, and they said, have a seat. Okay. We sat there for a while. And eventually, uh, eight other people showed up, all that had COVID. Now, um, I was really worried because I didn't realize we are going to a holding room with a bunch of other people that had COVID. Not for me, but for my wife and kids. Um, but luckily, and as of the recording of this podcast, no one says it's positive, so all's well that ends well. Um, but we were all in there and everyone was in various states of, you know, people had some people had been in COVID quarantine for since, you know, day two or three, others more recently. And it was kind of interesting to hear everyone's stories about, you know, how they got it, where they got it and and, and all that. And that's actually one of the things that, you know, people have asked me, where do you think you got COVID from? And I really don't know. I mean, I assumed at first I was like, oh, I must have gotten on the ship. But there were very few people in the, you know, only again, 10 or 11 people total who were COVID positive on our cruise. Now, some people say, well, Matt, obviously it's because some people didn't report it or maybe they were asymptomatic or something like that. I can't speak to that point. But you would have thought if there was more of an outbreak on the ship, you would see more people than 11. And again, as I mentioned, I want to say three or four of them 
were definitely people that had quarantined from the previous sailing. So they were on the ship, but they'd never been out in public areas the entire sailing that we had been on. So I really do believe I'd, I caught it, uh, you know, either in one of the ports we'd visited in Alaska or perhaps um, even on the airplane or in the airport for that matter. You know, the CDC, for what it's worth, says that um, it's, you know, up to uh, two to 12 days after exposure, you can test, you start showing symptoms for it, which is pretty useless in terms of trying to figure out where you got it or when you got it. But I really do believe that I got it in one of the ports in Alaska. Um, you know, I'd been wearing my mask on board the ship. But once we were off the ship, I really didn't wear my mask. We're outdoors almost always. But there would be situations in which we'd be in a store or a restaurant and, you know, on land I'm talking about. And it just, it to me, it seems like the most logical thing. But again, there's really no way to know. And it ultimately, it doesn't really matter. And I think that at first when I, when I tested positive, I was like, well, it is what it is. Okay, I got COVID. Cool. Whatever. You know, I knew it was going to happen at some point. Here it is. Now it's my turn. Okay, fine. And then later when I realized that I was one of 11, it started to bother me more because we had missed out on another cruise. Nobody else in my family tested positive. So it started really bothering me like, man, talk about bad luck that, you know, one. So let, let's let's just use the numbers here. I mean, we won't you know, we use the, the 11 number as the, as the number, even though, again, people, some people had been from the previous sailing you know, over 2,100 guests on board or whatever the number was, you know, you're talking about less than 1% of, of, of guests who were positive. I mean, you know what the odds are of that? Like, I mean, that's really bad luck. You know, that's like winning the lottery luck reversed. Um, and so it started bothering me. I, I started getting annoyed that like this happened. It's one thing if you get COVID and like there's a bunch of other people who got it and you're like, well, it is what it is, right? But, you know, I don't know. It doesn't do you any good, but that's just my personality because I feel like you go through the different stages of denial, right? At first, it's like, no, it's not COVID. It's just a sore throat. Then you go through bartering. Uh, what can I, uh, maybe I'll gargle water for an hour and it'll feel better. Or, um, you know, I'll, I'll, what can I do to get rid of it? Right. And then you have acceptance, but also um, anger, I think, is part of it. And I'm sorry, I was angry, but I was just upset that it was, you know, we missed out on it. If, it, if this had been the second sailing, the exact same scenario, day six, day seven, like I would have been. Like, whatever, you know, it, it, you know, I would have been far better with it, but we had some plans that we missed out on doing on, on the second sailing. I was glad and thankful that we had the first sailing still, that we got all those ports in, but man, it really bugged me that we couldn't uh, do the second sailing and, and, you know, get the full advantage of what the trip had offered. So, you know, it was a little frustrating in that regard. The good news is, you know, once we got off the ship and we got in our car, which was still there, I was a little worried the rental car wouldn't be there. It had been towed because I parked in the wrong place or something. It was still there. We got on the road, got to where he needed to go. You know, I, I was able to, for, I felt better about sequestering myself in a different, further away from the family. There was fresh air because the room I was in had a window. So, you know, the, the experience was better. I still felt terrible. And again, it would be another couple of days before I truly felt okay. And my fever went away. We flew home. Uh, about four or five days afterwards, I think five days total afterwards. By that point, my fever was gone. I only had a cough really. And, uh, you know, we, we got home and the flight was on time. Thank goodness. And, you know, and, and now as I'm recording this, I, I feel totally fine on that. And, and now what's, I hate to say it this way. I'm actually, you know, now that I, uh, I've, I've COVID or I had COVID rather, you know, now I feel like in, in invincible in the sense that why well, I want to go on a cruise like immediately. Cause I can't catch it again. The same variant, at least, uh, you know, there's a little bit of that. Not to worry. We have a uh, a cruise coming up here in a couple of weeks. So don't don't worry too much about me. But um, it was an experience. It was an ordeal. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. 
the there are a couple takeaways. First of all, you know, while I didn't certainly I didn't obviously I didn't die. I was not hospitalized. Wonderful, great stuff there. Um, it was still not a great experience. And this idea that you know everybody doesn't get the same COVID experience. Not everybody uh, ha- is asymptomatic, and everybody has just you know cold like symptoms. I mean, I was down for the count with I I would not have even if you you know if I pretended I didn't have COVID. There was no, I was going to do nothing except sit in that bed because I was miserable with that sore throat and the cough aggravating it. Best I would have done was I just would have constantly been going back and forth to like the windjammer to get, you know, soup or something like that. It's just, it was not enjoyable. So it's important to remember that, you know, when people have COVID, not everybody has the same experience or the same symptoms and the same duration, right? So I think that's number one. Number two you know, you want to bring with you COVID tests. We've been doing this for a while, but it's really important. Bring with you COVID tests just to be able to test yourself just so that, you know, if you do get a scratchy throat, if you start having a headache, if you, you know, you're coughing a little bit more than usual, you know, take the test. At least if you're doing it on your own, you can feel good about it. I would also add, by the way, that if you are starting to feel bad, you know, give yourself a little bit of time. Don't do it immediately. But, you know, if you're sensing hmm, this is not like a one-off kind of thing, you know, those COVID tests can really help uh, with that. Number three, bring the necessary meds. I would definitely recommend if you're packing um, medication to bring with you, you know, over-the-counter stuff, ibuprofen, Dayquil, and uh, maybe and a cough syrup, a cough suppressant. Um, the thing that Royal Caribbean provided to me that was really helpful was the Dayquil and the cough drops. There's a number of cough drops that are out there. When we got off the ship, I went immediately to buy Halls. I like Halls better, but the ones they gave me were fine. They were more like eucalyptus oil kind of thing. Anyway... You need the right cocktail to deal with it, and that certainly helped quite a bit. Oh, and the, and the and I didn't talk about the compensation. I forgot to talk about that. So the getting a piece of paper over here. So they gave us just incredible amount of um, compensation. I mean, you got. I, I was blown away by what they were giving us for accommodations while we isolate. So, um, you know, they were they were giving us basically two hundred fifty dollars U.S. per hotel room per night as well as meal costs up to $100 US per person per day, $250 per hotel, uh, sorry, I talked about that one already, uh, $400 per person for air change fees, and also for rental car, there was a number on here, I thought it was $100 a person uh, for the rental car, but anyway, it doesn't matter, I mean, they, they were reimbursing quite a bit, and let me put it this way, if you get COVID, at a Las Vegas casino, at a theme park, at a hotel, in any major city, you're lucky if they call you a taxi cab. Not, they're not paying for it, but you'll be lucky if they call you one at that point. Like, I mean, this is incredible. Now, um, I kept all my receipts. I have, to, to be fair, I have not yet uh, been paid back for these things. I, I, there's an email you're supposed to send an email to, which I did um, about a day or two after I got home, and it's been about now... Let's say about 10, eight or nine days, 10 days since we got, since I sent the email and I've not received a response yet. I've heard from other people it's slow. So I'm, I'm, I'm not expecting the check to be coming around the corner. So it's still out there. But theoretically, the compensation is supposed to be pretty darn impressive. And and I really am. And, and overall, it's incredible the lengths that Royal Caribbean is going to. So, you know, I hope that this podcast really kind of helped explain or understand my thoughts on the entire process of what went down and, you know, what to expect. Um, again, it would have been, it, it, it's certainly easier if you can just simply drive yourself home afterwards. Not everybody can do that. If you live in, you know, a part of the country in which you have to fly to your cruise, I understand that. And that's 
by the way, like the majority of people. So, you know, it is what it is, but it, I don't know that you need to go to the, the, the lengths of having like a whole COVID plan laid out. I think that's a little much, but I think you should be certainly listening, listening to this episode and reading my experience will help a lot in terms of just giving you the right frame of reference for what to expect if you were to get COVID on board. And I certainly hope that this episode at least, you know, I don't want to put people's minds at ease, but certainly gives them an idea of what to expect because having an idea of what to expect on my end really did help me with, you know, having a good, again, frame of reference of what to expect as everything happened. I'm a little behind in the email, so I'm going to try to get to as many as I can, try to knock out a number of them here. And of course, you can always email me by sending them to matt at royalcreamblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcreamblog.com. First email is from David. Just wanted to reach out, hopefully to get some clarification on the type of COVID-19 test our party can get prior to the cruise after hearing conflicting information. Being from Canada, getting a PCR test, unless you're in a very specific group of people, is very difficult, unfortunately, but rapid tests are available almost anywhere. Will Royal Caribbean accept the rapid test even from outside the U.S. so long as the test is done monitored by a health professional? And the answer is yes, David. Actually, if you are a, if you're vaccinated, anybody in your group that's vaccinated, you don't need to do a PCR. And I go one step further, David, you shouldn't do a PCR. It just takes too long to get the results. So you can absolutely just do a, a antigen test. Totally fine. You're good to go with that. So the only people that need to do a PCR test are unvaccinated children. So Keep that in mind. But yeah, uh, otherwise you are good to go on that front. Next email is from Johnny from Orlando, Florida. Love the podcast. I'm going on Symphony of the Season in October, and I might try my luck at bidding for a suite with the Royal Up program. I heard that sweet guests receive double loyalty points, but Royal Caribbean won't honor the double points rule if you book a suite with Royal Up. Is this true? It is indeed, Johnny. If you book a balcony or an inside room, something below a suite, and you Royal Up into a suite, you get all the benefits of the suite while on board, like concierge lounge access and obviously the uh, uh, the concierge services, but you will not get double points because you didn't pay for double points. You didn't pay for the sweet program, the full thing. So that's correct. I think, you know, if you're moving up from a balcony or, you know, lower room to a suite and you can get it at a good price, it's not a bad trade-off. But yeah, that is one of the uh, nuances of moving up from a balcony to a suite. So you were correct on that. Next email is from Victor Martin, also from Orlando, Florida. My wife and I are taking our family cruise with our two teens, ages 18 and 14, on an eight-night Mariner of the Seas cruise. We booked a one balcony, one interior cabin. Cabins are close, but of course, not connecting. Because of our kids' age, as you know, my wife and me had a split. Me with one and my wife with the other, but obviously, that's not how we're going to be occupying them. So number one, are we going to have to play musical sea pass all cruise, meaning passing the cards around every time we go to their cabin? Uh, bear in mind the ultimate drink package we have for us and the Royal Refresher package for the kids. So will we be asking for our cards every single time we want to drink? Great question, Victor. And I get this question quite a bit, actually. And the answer is no. What you want to do is just keep everything that you got the way you have it right now, Victor. When you get on board the cruise ship, uh, after you check in, you actually get on board the ship, go to guest services. I would go there immediately before the line gets pretty long. And it's always long on day one. Just people have a lot of questions. Anyway, go there on day one. Like I would go right there, first stop. And just tell them what you're doing. They'll reissue you new C-Pass cards. I've done this many, many times. And it's a common question, but no problem at all. You will not have to do musical C-Pass cards. They can reissue you new cards. But you have to wait till get on board the ship, Victor. So don't bother asking for this in the terminal or anything like that. They're just going to look at you with a weird look on their face. Just uh, <laughs> make sure you take care of it while you're on board. Next email is from Mike and Terry Weiser of Grapevine, Texas. 
I mass started listening to your podcast during the pandemic and really love it. We're getting ready for our first cruise since the pandemic and our third Royal Caribbean cruise. This one is on Quantum out of Seattle. We're sailing in a grand suite, and I was told there's no separate entrance or waiting area for suite guests in Seattle. Is that true? We're accustomed to Fort Lauderdale and Miami to expedited boarding when sailing in a suite. Also, if it's not too much trouble, could you explain how we go about tipping the staff in Coastal Kitchen? Look forward to several meals there and want to make sure we take good care of them. Thanks for everything. It's a great email. And as far as I recall, I have not sailed out of Seattle since 2018, so my information is a little out of date. I believe that's correct. You know, basically, you just do the regular check-in. Uh, Mike and Terry, you know, this happened to me when I was in Vancouver where, um, well, they had a separate line, but it wasn't a separate line for sweet guests. Anyway, you know, some of these ports that Royal Caribbean sells out of seasonally, they just don't have the facilities for them. And they're also shared facilities as opposed to, you know, a dedicated Royal Caribbean terminal like they have in Florida. So basically what I would do, Mike, when you get there is obviously when you, you see some of those uh, folks that are working at the terminal, you know, let them know, hey, I'm in a suite. Is there a separate line? If not, you know, then they're going to direct you to the regular line there. Again, I have not sailed out of Seattle, so I don't want to tell you definitively one way or another. I don't want to give you the wrong information. I seem to recall that's the case, but I'm not 100% sure on that. It's not the end of the world. It's just, you know, one less thing you get to take advantage of, which is unfortunate. In terms of tipping the staff at Coastal Kitchen, you know, generally speaking, since it's not part of the automatic gratuity program, you know, uh, you could obviously give them cash at the end of the cruise. Don't forget... You'll receive in your room, which you should be, I think, every time they've been giving it still, those little envelopes for tipping as well. So you could put the cash in there. You could give the cash, you know, the old-fashioned thing where you, you go to shake their hand and money's exchanged, that kind of a thing. Um, but, you know, tipping in Coastal Kitchen is always at the discretion of, of, the, of the guest, obviously. And, uh, you know, I think people just look at it as a personal decision. How much? I can't tell you what's the appropriate amount. Depends on, you know, how many people in your group. Um, how long your cruise is, how, how the service was, quite frankly. I'm not, honestly, as I'm thinking about this now, I'm not familiar with a going rate. In fact, it's it's hard to even come up with any kind of going rate for tipping other than what Royal Caribbean gives you as the automatic gratuities. So, you know, whatever you think is fair, Mike and Terry, is, I think, totally fair, and I think they'll appreciate whatever you can give them. So, thank you for the email there. I don't know how helpful I was with that one, but two out of three ain't bad, I hear. Uh, Tammy has our next email for us. I'm a long-time listener to your blog and love all the information you provide. I'm doing a nine-day sailing in July on, they wrote AOS, so that could be Alert, Anthem, probably not Anthem, uh, Adventure. Anyway, I was listening to one of your earlier podcasts on St. Martin. I've been there once before and simply doing a beach day. I thought your potpourri idea was great. We're scheduled to be there from 1230 to 8. There'll be five of us traveling, and I'd love to get an idea about some ideas for getting around. You know, for St. Martin, I recommend just getting taxis. There's readily taxis available. So come up with a plan of where you want to go. You know, Marigo, Grand Case Beach, um, uh, Maho Beach, and back. As long as you have an idea of where you want to go, you can usually find taxis all around. We're also stopping at Labadee, a port I've never been to. Can you walk to a beach area and get Chair's Umbrella, or should I reserve a beach bed through Royal Caribbean? Yeah, so Labadee is just like Coco Key, if that makes it any easier to plan. You just simply walk off the ship. Your ship docks at the pier. You can walk to any one of the number of beaches that are available. And the chairs are first come, first serve. So you don't need to reserve a chair or umbrella, um, you know, in advance. Certainly, you could get a beach bed if you wanted to. But to answer your question, you can absolutely do absolutely nothing in advance. Walk off the ship and find plenty of uh, chairs and umbrellas all around Labadee. Also, I was wondering if you have any best guesses of when and if Royal Caribbean will bring back the quest. It was one of my favorite game shows to watch. Always good for some laughs and fun. 
As far as I've heard from Royal Caribbean, the plan is still to bring it back. There are a couple of lingering things that they have not brought back yet for a variety of reasons, and uh, I'm not privy to what those reasons are. But as far as I know, Tammy, the plan is still for the quest to be brought back. Tammy also has another question. If I have never purchased any photo package, just wondering, since it's a longer cruise and five of us are going, is it worth it? For the photo packages, I generally tell people, you know, it can be worth it. It just requires you to stop and take photos every day, multiple times, right? So every evening, there'll be those photo sessions all set up for you. And basically, you need to take make the effort to stop and take photos. And everyone I've ever talked to that's gotten the photo package that's done this has always said that it's a great value because you could just really go to town with some of the photos, you know, take advantage of what, what it offers you. The thing with the, with the, you know, requirements, you know, if you purchase it for your cabin, Tammy, as long as somebody in your cabin is in the photo, it's included. So if you're traveling, you know, with mom and dad and, um, you know, you've got you and your kids, as long as somebody's in that photo with mom and dad or mom and dad are in the photo with you, you're good. But if mom and dad take the photo by themselves, that's not included. So hopefully that makes sense. And lastly, I wanted to share with you a great tour in St. Lucia for your next visit. I did this a while ago. I've used them twice and was very pleased. They took us by boat around the island to see the Pitons. Then we got off and took a bus or a cab once up to the volcano and once to the mud baths and got to go swimming under a waterfall. Then we stopped for a beach break and swimming at Jade Mountain Resort. It was great. To, it was a great tour to see part of St. Lucia. We did not need reservations, although I think next time I will go there. I'll contact them in advance to be sure. The name is No Links Tour. Penny and the crew were great. Wow. I mean, you had me at Waterfall. That sounds amazing. I've been to St. Lucia once. I don't think I've been there twice. And uh, I would love to go back again. It's been far too long and it's a beautiful island. So thank you for the recommendation. Always love hearing that. I am sure that I will be in like six months. But like, what was that tour that one person recommended? And I got to go listen to eight episodes to figure out which one it was. But the No Links tour. Thank you, Tammy, for the recommendation. Always appreciate hearing that. Our next email is from Lisa. We've been looking into the Royal Caribbean shareholder onboard credit and have considered adding the required 100 shares to our portfolio. Have you used this? And if so, do you have any issues getting the credit applied to your stateroom? We have four upcoming sailings. We'd like to enjoy a little onboard credit. So Lisa's referring to the uh, the benefit, if you will, of being a Royal Caribbean shareholder in which you own at least 100 shares of Royal Caribbean stock. And then you get access to, um, you know, a certain amount of onboard credit. I don't I don't own any Royal Caribbean shares, uh, any stock, unless, of course, I own like, you know, if it's in like one of the mutual funds or something I own. But I don't I don't specifically purchase any Royal Caribbean stock. Um, so I don't have any firsthand experience with this. But from everybody that's done this, I've heard pretty good things. But essentially, what you need to do is email shareholderbenefit at rccl.com. You give them your name, address, confirmation number, ship and sailing date, along with a copy of your shareholder proxy card or a current brokerage statement showing proof of shareholder ownership. And uh, basically send them at least two to three weeks before your cruise. And if you do that, generally speaking, it works pretty well. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about being able to get this applied. Um, I think the only issue might be maybe if there's like a, a conflicting promo that you booked that's not compatible with it. I think that's pretty rare. So in basically what I'm trying to tell you is that I've heard nothing but no problems with getting it out applied. Um, and, and by the way, if you're wondering um, if you're the amount of onboard credit you get for the 100 shares, if it's a sailing five nights or less, it's $50 onboard credit. Sailing six to 13 nights, $100 onboard credit. 
and savings of 14 or more nights, $250 on board credit. I would remind everybody, by the way, number one, I am not a financial advisor. I don't give financial advice, so please do not buy any stock based on anything I ever say. Number two, I would also recommend, even though I just told you I'm not an investor, ex, investment expert, uh, don't buy stock purely for an onboard credit. I would tell you that it's probably a best idea to buy any stock because you think it's a good long-term investment value not to get you know onboard credit out of something. But again, just wanted to put that out there. Hopefully that answers other people's questions as well. Lisa, thank you for your email. Our next email, we're still plugging away here, uh, is from Michaela. My family and I are going on a wonder of the season August. We have a little boy who recently turned two. We're departing potty training before or after the cruise. Do you know what the toddler baby splash pad is like on Wonder of the Seas? I'm wondering if this area for swim diaper babies is just a small shallow pool or are there any features and play areas to it? Appreciate what you do. Thanks so much. Michaela, uh, it's, a, it's a great question. I'm actually going to email you a link because this is going to be far easier for you. But for anybody who's asking this question, uh, the answer is it's a little, it's, it's enough, I think, for a toddler. I mean, it's not a water park by any means. But what I would tell you is actually check out a look at our YouTube video tour that we have of Wonder of the Seas. We have a full walkthrough video tour, which includes, by the way, a look at the splash area. So when it comes to, you know, this is a great, what does it look like? In, in a podcast format, while I am, I think, okay at describing things, I'm not sure I can do it justice to give you a good idea of what to expect. So instead, what I'd recommend is checking out a YouTube video tour, which we do have one on our YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed yet, our YouTube channel name is Royal Caribbean Blog, all one word, so just go to YouTube and search for that. Subscribe to our channel. And we have a video tour of a number of ships, including Wonder of the Seas, Michaela. So I think that'll help you out there. Our next email is from Trevor Harwood of Fletcher, North Carolina. Hi, Matt. Relatively new listener, but absolutely love all your content. It's so helpful for a first-time cruiser like me. Thanks for all the great info and hard work. I've got a couple different questions for you. First of all, my son, age six, is autistic. He's very high-functioning, and I've seen that Royal Caribbean has some great autistic program, autism programs to help. I think he would be okay once on board. My concern is the testing on embarkation day. He's unvaccinated. No one likes to swab up their nose, but for my son, it's totally a different scenario. Throughout the pandemic, we've never been able to get him to allow us to swab up his nose. It's just a sensory overload for him. We've only been able to do a saliva-based test for him. I certainly agree with the need for testing, but are there any other options for someone with special needs on embarkation day? I'd hate to drive eight hours to the port and be refused boarding due to my son not cooperating with the swab test. We're better off waiting until the testing procedures are eventually done away with. Boy, that's a great question, Trevor. And the answer is I have no idea. I'm not aware of an alternative option to the the nasal test, you know, like a saliva test, as you say. Um, I, I can't promise you that that's an option. I, I honestly don't know the answer. And I certainly won't tell you that uh, there is or is not an option. And of course you say, well, is there someone you can ask that question to that might know the answer? You know, the test is administered by a third party. And even if you called Royal Caribbean, I wouldn't trust their answer. I'll be honest with you. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know what to recommend. Um, I, I, I guess, geez, you know, I'm always the, my, my opinion is always to err on the side of caution. And my answer would be maybe wait till the testing procedures are maybe done away with, but gosh, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no way you can get around that that embarkation just because your son's unvaccinated. Obviously, if he was vaccinated, you would be able to get around that. But <clears throat> that's obviously not that's neither here nor there. I'm not sure that you'd be able to. Yeah, boy, 
I, I don't know if any of our listeners know the answer to this one. If they've ever asked at the, th- I've never seen it as an option. I've never heard of anybody being able to do it. That doesn't mean that's not an option, Trevor. I just simply don't know, and I'm not afraid to tell you. I have no idea, but I have no idea, and I certainly don't want to mislead you in any way. So I'm going to give you a hearty. I have no idea, but I would err on the side of caution. I would not assume anything. And in, in fact, I would always assume the worst case scenario, which is that they don't offer the saliva test and. You know, what, however you want to approach that from your family aspect, that's up to you. Trevor's the second. I've heard you mention several times that for first-time cruisers, a seven-day cruise on an Oasis class is best. We're a very limited budget with two kids. We'd enjoy a seven-day cruise on Oasis in which we had to be very frugal and not buy many drinks, excursions, especially dining, because that's our max budget. Or would we be happier with a three- or four-night cruise on a smaller ship so that's just Mariner of the Seas with some money left over for drinks, possibly the drink package, especially dining and excursions? That's a great question, and it's a fair question as well. I would tell you this much. If you're on a, obviously given your budgetary things, here's what I would tell you to do. Uh, I think I would go with Mariner for sure, but don't forget Mariner does actually longer sailings. Uh, you pick Mariner as an example and it's, she does uh five and eight night sailings right now. So I think those are totally fine. And I would say, yes, if obviously if you're going to be pushing your budget to the brink with a seven day cruise on Oasis versus being able to shave off, you know, a third or more, if you went on Mariner uh, for slightly less nights, then yes, I would I would say Mariner is fine. I think Mariner of the Seas is a great ship. I think the upgrades that they do is totally fine. So, you know, when I, when I tell people, uh, you know, I recommend for first-time cruise or seven-night cruise on an Oasis or Quantum class ship, I'm using that as a blanket general recommendation for just everybody out there. And I think that applies. That's not to say that, again, <laughs> going on a slightly shorter sailing on Mariner would be a problem. I wouldn't say... You should do a three or four night cruise. Like, don't book Independence of the Seas out of Port Canaveral for a three or four nighter. It's just too short. Even if you did the five nighter on Mariner, that is in that realms of like, you at least get a little more sense of what a cruise is all about. So I would skip the three or four nighter. I would then, again, five, eight night. That's great uh, for a first time cruiser. So yeah, I think that's a great idea. And certainly I understand, you know, trying to push the limit of, of the budget. You don't want to do, you always want to come in under budget, not you know, theoretically under budget. <laughs> so definitely the way to go about it. Next, an email from Mike. Uh, quick question. How are you getting to get COVID tests to return to the U.S.? Obviously, this email came before the U.S. changed their uh, protocols. So you no longer need a COVID test to get back. But if you ever needed a test to get back to the U.S. or whatever, here's what I would tell you, Mike. I'm just going to answer this question anyway. Bring with you an at-home test. Um, the EMED test, uh, the Abbott Binax Now ones, I just bring them with me. When we went to Vancouver, we did that um, as well. Um, we just you can take. It doesn't matter if you where you take the test. You just have to be a U.S. citizen to buy them, Mike. So just FYI going forward. And our next email is from uh, Steve Shalefu. Thank you for the pronunciation guide, Shalefu. I'm a long-time listener and love your show and content on all things Royal Caribbean. My wife and I will be Diamond members with Crown and Anchor after our next cruise. We've thought about going celebrity and giving them a try after we make Diamond. I'm aware of the loyalty status match, but I'm a little confused how it works. Would we be elite with Celebrity for every sailing going forward, or is it just a one-time match? Great question, Steve. So the answer is it'd be for forever going forward. Essentially, when you status match with Celebrity, they will say, okay, what's your status in Royal Caribbean? Okay, you're Diamond. Let's, here, we're going to give you Elite and Captain's Club, and they will honor that till the end of time. Now, here's the thing, Steve. While you will be Elite till the end of time, or, you know, not the end of time, but I mean, if you did nothing else, you'd be elite, right? Um, as you cruise, you earn points back at zero. So 
think of it this way. You never lose your elite status, but you can't move up the ladder in celebrity until you take enough cruises with celebrity to accrue enough points to move beyond elite. I hope that makes sense. But yeah, no, it's not a one-time thing. It's, it's for, again, if you status matched now, and then you cruise, you know, once today, this year, and I don't know, maybe your next cruise is like 10 years from now with Celebrity, you'd still be, uh, you still have your status going forward. So hopefully that makes sense. And we have two more emails. I'm trying to get through as many as I can here. Chris uh, sends our next email to us. I have a I have a cruise on Oasis of the Season November coming from Pittsburgh. I'm planning to get the unlimited drink package. Besides alcohol, I know you can get specialty coffees and juice. Where on the ship can you get coffee and juice? Is the sparkling water Pellegrino, I think, is the brand on board included? Is Starbucks included? Correct me if I'm wrong, but on some ships, Starbucks is included. Others, it's not. I'm trying to make the most of my package, especially with the rising prices. Yeah, Chris, I have a great question. So, the uh, coffee is basically premium coffee. So, Cafe Promenade, any place that has an espresso-based drink, Chris. So, that could be the main dining room. You say, I'd like to have an espresso, please. I'd like to have a latte. Uh, that could be, obviously, Cafe Promenade is the most common place to do it. Uh, if they have premium, you know, lattes or espressos in uh, Park Cafe, that'd be included as well. So anywhere that they serve, you know, an espresso-based coffee is included. For juice, it's pretty much, there's two types of juices on board. One would be the fresh squeezed juices, which are primarily in the Windjamer. You can, you you may see a little station there. Sometimes in uh, the main dining room, they might have it at breakfast as well. Otherwise, you're talking about also bottled juice, Chris. So like, you know, going to a bar and saying, hey, can I get a you know, a bottle of apple juice or orange juice. They'll give you, a, you know, a bottle of it. That's included as well. The sparkling water is uh, included and also still water. So whether it's Evian or Pellegrino, that's included. No worries at all. Just tell me you have the drink package. Is Starbucks included? The drinks from the Starbucks kiosk on Oasis is not included. So that's not included with your drink package. However, if you get, again, a... They even call it, you know, a macchiato over a cafe promenade that is included. So you just can't use your drink package benefits at the freestanding Starbucks kiosk, but you can use them for very similar drinks over a cafe promenade, if that makes sense. So thank you for the email there, Chris. And our last email this week comes to us from Sydney. I uh, love listening to your podcast and appreciate all the tips and tricks you offer. My husband and I are selling on Symphony of the Seas in January 2023. We recently sailed on Explorer in February 2022. Before our cruise in February, we bought the deluxe drink package on Black Friday. When we got on the ship on embarkation day, they were offering the drink packages buy one, get one free. Do you see this often? We're wondering if we should purchase our drink packages before when we see a good deal online or take the chance and wait till we're on board the ship. Again, really appreciate your advice. Uh, Non-podcast related, how'd you get into Royal Caribbean blog? I'd love to get to travel for a living and help others with special vacations. Sydney, great emails and thanks for the question. So the answer is, you should always pre-book it, Sydney. While there is a BOGO deal, and I'm using air quotes you can't see right now, uh, don't forget, the price on board is significantly higher than you'll see online. So here's my advice, Sydney. Always, always, always pre-purchase online. Buy it as soon as you book the cruise and you know you want the drink package, lock in that price, Sydney. If there's a better price tomorrow, next week, anytime before your cruise, you can cancel the drink package and then book it under the new price and take advantage of that. It'll be, you know, you, there's no penalty for doing that before your cruise. And again, it will always be cheaper um, online than on board. And obviously, the, the other reason why you want to book it as soon as you know you want to get it online is so that if the price goes up between now and your cruise date, you already have the lower price locked in. And yes, you need to book it. Putting it in your cart is not the same thing. So hopefully that makes sense. And how did I get into Royal Caribbean blog? You know, kind of like you, I was uh, 
I, I just love cruising and I loved it so much. I wanted a little bit of an outlet to share my excitement for cruising. So back in 2010, I decided, well, let me, uh, let me try this whole blogging thing out. And I, you know, for, for many, many years, Sydney, it was just like a side hustle. You know, I often joked like, you know, some husbands, you know, on the weekends or in the evenings, you know, golf or I don't know, do woodworking or whatever it is, less nerdy husbands do. <laughs> That's uh, you know, I would just sit on the couch and I'd write a blog post or, you know, in, in Saturday morning when everyone's, you know, watching cartoons or well, I guess back then we didn't really have kids that were watching cartoons, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, everyone's taking it easy. I'd write a blog post. That was kind of my fun outlet. And then, you know, over the course of the last, you know, uh, 12 years now, it's grown quite a bit from there. And that's honestly a testament to the wonderful community here, a little bit of luck as well. Um, so if you're really interested in getting into travel for a living, you know, obviously there's a couple different venues or avenues for you. You could be a travel agent, of which if you're looking to be a travel agent, by the way, I know for a fact that uh, our sponsor, MEI Travel, is definitely hiring Sydney. So you could literally walk right into that job. You know, being a travel agent is, it's a job. Um, I think the most common misconception about people who get into becoming a travel agent is that it's like, you know, oh, I'll book my friends and family. You know, and even if you do that, it's still work. And, but you're not going to make a lot of money on that. If you're interested more in the creative aspect, like if you're interested, you know, blogging or, um, you know, uh, social media, obviously there's, it's very easy to get into it. Very difficult, I think, to, to succeed at it because it's, again, like all things in life, whether you want to become a good golfer, whether you want to uh, crochet or you want to uh, blog, you know, it's not just snap your fingers and you're great at it. It's going to take some effort to do so. But hey, it's it's definitely doable. So, you know, uh, basically my only advice is, you know, give it a shot. Just, you know, jump in, you know, Google around, read articles and how to get things. Going. I mean, and obviously your question is, is pretty wide open there. So I'm not sure exactly. I can't give you a direct uh, indication of where to get started, but there's lots of avenues, avenues that are out there. So, you know, if you've got that creative itch, maybe give it a try. And if you decide for six months, boy, that was not for me. Hey, no worries at all. You know, it's, uh, you wouldn't be the first and you wouldn't be the last to, uh, <laughs> to give it a shot, but hopefully that helps there, Sydney. I don't know. I felt like I rambled on about lots of different things there, but thank you for the email, Sydney. Thank you to everybody for checking out the Royal Coming blog podcast. Of course, you can always email me your questions by sending them to matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next week, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.